creativity is something that we unlearn. <laughs> thinking about the Zach, I always, I always enter sort of my work and when I'm thinking of programs and thinking of gallery openings and events or whatever, I always think of, of that, that we're all creative geniuses. This is A New Angle, and I'm your host, Justin Angle, marketing professor at the University of Montana. This podcast is my chance to speak with cool people doing awesome things in and around the great state of Montana. We are proudly underwritten by First Security Bank and Blackfoot Communications. Hey, folks, welcome back, and thanks for tuning in today. My guest today is Kia Lizak. Kia is the executive director of the Zootown Arts Community Center, or more affectionately known as the ZAC. She's a bit of an institution here in Missoula, and she's paved a creative, entrepreneurial, and adventurous path to get to where she is today. The ZAC is a vital part of Missoula and plays a critical role in supporting the arts community. Kia has dedicated her professional life to working with kids to foster their creativity and emotional growth. If you haven't been to the ZAC, stop what you're doing right now and check it out. It was a blast catching up with Kia, learning more about her story and the exciting things happening at the ZAC, including their new building. And I'm stoked for you to learn all about it right now. Okay, so we're here today with Kia Lizak. Kia, thanks for coming on the podcast. Thanks for having me. So, Kia, you're the executive director of the ZAC, tremendous community resource here in in western montana how long have you been in that role at the zac i've been there for seven years okay mm-hmm. and before that you're doing all sorts of things with arts and schools and throughout you know various various schools in missoula and beyond yeah so coming to the zac was kind of like a um a random um sort of homecoming for me um i just say homecoming because it was kind of like this job that came out of nowhere that ended up being really my heart of all hearts job. But okay. it, um, the way I got there was, you know, through a different, strange road. Strange road. Yeah. Because, <laughs> I mean, catch us up. So you grew up you know, in and around Montana. Um, family's from Montana. Uh, creative art, creative writing program, English literature here at the University of Montana. So very strong roots here. In yeah. Western Montana. Yeah. Um, I'm from Missoula. I wasn't born here. I was born in a, um, a school bus. My parents lived in the school bus. They were traveling in the United States, and I was born in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Okay. Is there a story there that we should tell? <laughs> um, my parents were hippies. They were um, selling flowers on the street corner yeah. in Albuquerque, New Mexico, and living um, a life on the road. And after that, they um, moved to a piece of land that was on the Montana-Idaho uh, state border um, near Troy, Montana, okay. and lived off the land. They built a um, like a little shack up against the school bus, and I spent my first couple of years there, just sort of running around and then um, on the land. They they chose to live without running water, electricity, sure. things like that. That's such yeah. a beautiful part of the country, though. Yeah, yeah, really beautiful. Yeah. Um, and then I eventually moved um, here to Missoula and lived in the Jocko Valley for a okay. lot of my other formative years. I spent a lot of time when I was a kid running around in the woods, um, but always um, went to school in Missoula because my parents were some of the founders of Sussex School, Okay, which okay. Um, was sort of ignited for me at a young age, my passion for, I think, alternative education, mm-hmm. which is still very much a driving force, um, something I care a lot about. Um, I... 
I did. I went to school for um, English Lit and Creative Writing here at the university, and that was a great program. And then I and I spent about ten years um, working with um, at-risk youth in various capacities. And I was an all-girls. T- I was in an all-girls punk rock band for ten years okay. called Sasshole. Sasshole, I love it. <laughs> and uh, you know, during that whole time of working with kids, um, I worked in group homes. I worked in therapy programs. I ran the flagship program at Hellgate High School. Um, I always felt um, I-, I loved that work a lot. I always felt somewhat disempowered. I felt like I wondered why. Um, we weren't employing the arts more, honestly, okay. in working with youth. Okay. Um, in and, the curriculum, the programming. Yeah, and, in programming. Because sure. I, for me, growing up, the arts had been such a powerful way for me to sort of find myself and work through painful times in my life and and um, sort of p- find a path through things that were hard. And I do feel really strongly about the arts being that way. So I was as I worked with youth, I kind of imagined some different programs that I might do one day. Okay. Um, and then... When my son was born in 2004, I quit my job at C.S. Porter Middle School. Um, I wanted to just focus my energy on him, but I still needed a job, so I opened a business called Blackbird Kid Shop, Mm -hmm. which is a youth clothing store on the hip strip. Um, That was fun, but it was... um, we just we hit the recession and it was yeah it tough was, time to it was be running tough a small time to be business. running a small business yeah. um, and through that I learned a lot about myself too I learned that I really I liked having a community space um, and I liked kind of we would do kids art show, shows every first Friday and have sure. kids dance parties and things like that and I I really enjoyed that and um, sort of taught myself all the business parts, which was nothing I knew before then, but I taught myself to do QuickBooks and blah, 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 you know. What was um, that experience like? Just just kind of press pause on that yeah. one. I guess maybe my, you, you got my interest up as a, as a business school faculty member, you know, so you're, you, you're deeply ingrained in the arts and you're kind of, but now you're like in this position of you're a small business owner. So you got to kind of make the ends meet and understand the nuts and bolts and that part of it too. I mean, what's that like learning process? What was that like for you? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think it was, um, I think it's amazing that we can do that. I mean, it was definitely a risk. And in in the end, it wasn't, it didn't work out well for me, but it led me into what I do now. So, um, but I, you know, I'd never thought of my, always being into the arts and everything, I'd never thought of myself as like, um, someone who could run a business or be good at math. And I actually realized I was pretty competent at most mm-hmm. of those things. And I, I found it to be really fun. And I realized that I it's something that I liked. I liked um, the sort of whole project aspect of it. Okay. I liked the kind of like having the community space, developing advertising, uh, you know, plans, um, merchandising, like just thinking about, I kind of like the whole, because in, in a way it is such a creative process, you right. know, but I mean, the Zach creative. has been that way too. It, it, it is in itself can be an art project, you know, but yeah. um, certainly, um, and I, I had help um, from NMCDC in the beginning to help me with my business plan uh-huh. and figure out all of that, which is a great, you know, it's great that we have resources like that. Um, and I also learned, you know, what I think a lot of people don't know until they actually go into small businesses that it's, it's really hard. It it's is. incredibly hard to make ends meet. And, you know, when you look 
Um, from the outside, I think you often think, oh, wow, you know, they're selling an expensive product, so they must be making a lot of money or sure. something. And really, um, the overhead costs and everything you put into it and what you take out of it, it's such a, you know, it's such a complex, um, it, it's just, it's much more complex than it looks like from the outside. And there's so many little steps along the way, you know, little balancing points. So when well, you I, go to these small businesses around town and you see the owner there all the time. Yes. And I mean, that tells you a lot. Like, yes. It is a lot of work. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, it's um, it's a huge commitment. And um, um, being a nonprofit director is similar. It's just yeah. like running a small business, except for instead of building wealth for yourself, you're building wealth for the community. <laughs> um, when, you know, when you grow a nonprofit, you're just building more and more wealth for the community. You don't yourself have something at the end to sell or to right. retire on or anything you're you are just building something that grows and prospers in the community well so. and the, yeah and the product you're sort you're not really selling a product you're, you I mean there's 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 a little bit of that yeah but i mean you're selling an idea and yeah it's a, it's a, yeah you it's, kind of are the product that you're selling is like is good healthy people yeah. or a, a good healthy world sure. you know so in a way you you kind of are you're just it's just a different but i i did i guess why i'm bringing that up is i i did um i learned a lot in the biz, in my small time in the business world, so essentially we were there for four years um, and uh, running Blackbird. And by the time we closed, um, I hadn't paid myself for over two years, Gosh, and yeah. we filed bankruptcy. Uh, my husband and I had moved out of our home that we couldn't afford to pay our mortgage payment, so we were renting our house and living at my parents, and just had gone through you know everything. The um, yeah. yeah, and just. Um, so uh, an old friend of mine reached out and said, hey, w- uh, there's this little, there's this organization, the ZAC, and we can't uh, afford to hire a, an executive director. Um, the ZAC was in pretty, um, a pretty fragile spot financially um, and said, but I think you would be great at this. Would you be interested in a part-time like office manager position? It was very low paying job. Just try job. to get you involved. Like yeah. just get, and they were like, we we literally just had a vote at the last board meeting. Should we close the Zach or should we um, try to create this position and get someone else in so here? It was on the rivet at that moment. Yeah, like, it was on the go rivet. Go or no go. Right, and I was on the. I mean, I was yeah, kind of in this spot in my life where I was like, well, you know, a lot of people wouldn't have been able to take that job because it really promised very little but for me I'd already I'd already re- rearranged my entire life so that I didn't need to make any money because sure. I had you're moved already out of running, my house. You're already running pretty lean <laughs> at that point. And I was already point. used to working 60 plus hours yeah. a week for nothing so that's a that's an interesting setup it's like it's so the conditions were right to take this type of position it's so funny though yeah because i did and when i went in i had this kind of i think it was just you know a perfect storm at the time of my life because i i did i just sort of naturally worked 40 50 60 hours a week for my 20 hour a week paycheck i um had learned you know, somewhat through um, my business adventure, how to how to run a, a place. So, kind of stepping in. Um, the Zach was only three years old, so you know, stepping in. And, sure. uh, you know, I I'm going to take over the QuickBooks and all these sort of little nuts and bolts things, um, and just sort of saw something. I saw just this 
I, I knew how hard it was, and I saw this great potential in the fact that there was already a lot of heart there, already a building, already a nonprofit license, and really sort of like this open canvas for maybe a lot of the things I had already been thinking about. Well, you've in been my thinking life. about that right. sort of programming mm-hmm. missing. I'm trying to, you know, I wasn't in Missoula at that point. What? What's happening at the Zach? I mean, there's so much happening at the Zach now, but what's right. happening? What sort of scale are they operating on and fields are they playing in at that moment? Yeah, so there was, um, they hired me and there was one other staff who was Hannah Hannon, who was the founder, and she was down to working 20 hours a week because she had decided after putting in all the work to get it off the sure. ground and everything, she was ready to kind of, um, she said, I want to have a real, a regular job, you know. Um, and so she was staying on and as um, the arts education director, and I kind of came in as an office manager, and that was it. Everyone else was a volunteer. We had an after-school art um, program that was an art education program, and we did summer camps and everything, but um, it was all run by volunteers. Um, there were a, there was a lot that was run by volunteers, which was great, um, which is wonderful, but the, the thing is, is it's really hard to sort of develop something um, from the ground up sure. um, with, you know, the quality and sort of vision to take it to another level when you ha- are working only with volunteers because, frankly, volunteers can be great, but they leave. Like, they get jobs. Yeah, or yeah, they, they have other stuff they going have, on. They have, you know, <laughs> you're all, it, they come if they can, but often they can't come. And so you'll be in the middle of, you know, building this great program and then that person that's giving it so much energy is gone. And, right. Um, so, um, so we had, you know, and there was a gallery and there were art shows and there was a, a volunteer, um, gallery coordinator, just a lot of, there were, it was sort of a shell of what we do now. A lot of already really great programs and great heart and great people coming in, but not a sense of real sustainability. In fact, I would lay in bed at night worrying about, you know, paying the bills yeah, really? for sure. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Which I had, was already used to doing. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know if this is you're painting a healthy picture of work-life balance at this point. Um, yeah, I I don't know. I think it's I think it's um, so. Yeah, I, I have a couple things to say about that. I think it's the reality is is that a lot of the really great things that we see around us came from somebody. Maybe probably just you you might imagine that it was like this giant you know um, effort of lots of people, but it a lot of the things that we see around us just come from a few people you know sacrificing a Grinding. lot and paying yeah. uh, you know doing a lot of work um, and having but if you have a vision for it and you have um, people that show up and help and make those things happen that's really inspiring and it really it really is um, pretty amazing thing to witness and see and my journey at the Zach as much as I think we as nonprofit directors we do we work really hard um and we um don't always get paid you know for what we're worth yeah however yeah um I do think my vision of the Zach has always been toward the eye of sustainability so I we have gone now all of our now we have six staff and now we have and now all of our teachers do get paid and I have a very realistic view about um I think about you know I think we we need to look at the 
world this way. If we want good things to keep happening, we can't just rely on people to be doing it all in their spare time and yeah. outside of their regular work week. Like we need to put, um, we need to put our priorities, mm-hmm. you know, into paying people that are making great things happening. Yeah, we, need we need to make appreciate. it a priority in the community. Yep. Invest exactly. People need to pay for it. Yeah, yeah. they do. Yeah. And I want to get back to that later in the conversation because this is something that we've explored. You know, we had um, <clears throat> Steve Albini on the podcast. He's a sound engineer. And yeah. He's got very strong ideas about the failures of capitalism as a mechanism for kind of guiding transactions in the music space or you know, just art in general. And right. I kinda, well, mm-hmm. let's plant a pin there because I want to come mm-hmm. back. But I, I, I want to sort of pivot to – or not pivot, but – to, you know, the, the picture uh, you're describing, uh, your entry point to the Zach is so different than where, I mean, the organization appears to be thriving right now. I mean, you're in the midst of this campaign. You're you're going to be taking over this this new building, purchasing the building, big renov. I mean, large-scale renovations, a lot of prominent people in the community and beyond jumping in to help. Like, tell mm-hmm. us about that. I mean, it seems like awesome things are happening. Yeah, awesome things are are happening, and um, it's still, um, still there's always you know in being in the middle of a of a large scale campaign is also not like a picnic every day. Oh yeah, it's, every day you're kind of hoping that you're you know um, gonna get there, and and um, but certainly there's been a lot to be joyous about and celebrate. So yeah, we're in the um, we're in the midst of um, we've been in our location on the north side for ten years. Mm-hmm. We've rented that space, and we've sort of literally cobbled all of our uh, our space together with our own hearts. You and use volu- it well. And there's a lot going on in little and- spots. And- <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and and it, literally every program has just kind of started with a donated this and a donated that, and then grown out of that, and then everything sort of just been built one at a time, and um, which is exactly how um, I mean we love it that way because we're artists and we we love to build and create things, sure. you know. Um, but then, with an eye of, uh, it's always been sort of my dream to make sure that the Zach is a sustainable community resource that will be in Missoula forever. Mm-hmm. And so that's the difference, I think. Uh, coming in at first, it was like, well, um, any any little thing could happen and this organization could be yeah, over. Yeah, just keep the you lights on I mean? at that yeah. point. Um, and, I, and, and so it's been sort of a long-range plan, um, and there's been many sort of steps that we've taken to get to this to this point and I mean part of it it was building up our programs building a up a good solid board building our um community the community's understanding of what we are I think that's one really big thing that I do as a nonprofit director that maybe others don't is really educating people on sort of the reasons why an institution like the ZAC is so important because it's not as obvious as say the food bank, you know, right, and, and, right. and as a society, we've, there's been, we've really 
belittled the importance of art in, in so many ways. Arts are so underfunded and cut from schools and this and that, that I think that really, um, but when you stop and think about it and when you really look at it, you can realize how important, you know, the arts are in our communities. So, um, so doing that for several years, um, look, really building up sort of a solid base um, of grant funding and donations and our, b growing our programs. And then um, we did a community-wide feasibility study before we even started this process. So we sure. interviewed over 100 people. We sat down and asked them all the same questions. What do you think of the ZAC? What do you think of the arts? What do you think of what we're trying to do? What do you think of our location? And where would you like to see us in 10 years? Would you help us if we asked? You know, right. that kind of thing. Right. Um, so we did that and we took all that data and we assembled a, you know, facilities committee that was all volunteers, volunteer architects, volunteer real estate agents, everyone just putting in their time and energy, um, did a year long building search. I mean, really just to get to this point has been, um, has been a, um, a journey that, you know, and there's been lots of times during and throughout that. I didn't know if we were going to be able to make it happen. And there's been lots of people that laughed at me and said, you'll never be able to make it oh, happen. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. A New Angle is underwritten by First Security Bank and Blackfoot Communications, two cool companies doing awesome things all over Montana. Hey, this is Ryan Tutel And Coulter Nuanas from ESPN Missoula. And you're listening to A, a New, New Angle. But here we are, and we are, we are, we have purchased our building, the Studebaker in downtown, and we're looking at we will own our own, um, our own community space forever. And um, we'll be a permanent part of downtown Missoula. The Zach will be able to finally have the classroom space and the studio spaces, um, event space that we need. Um, and yeah, we'll be able to grow our programs in the way we want to. And so that makes me th think about you know a notion we you sort of touched on in, in your answer but this role of arts in a community can you mm -hmm. speak to that what is the role of the arts in a community or the value mm -hmm. of of the arts in a community yeah well um i think the arts value is essentially to help us connect to the deepest parts of ourselves and help us connect to the deepest parts of each other. Okay. And I think that that's um, the really important thing about the arts. And um, there's a lot of ways that I think we can... One of the things about the Zach that is so important to me and our mission is to make the arts really accessible to everyone and belong to everyone. We have an inherent belief that everyone is an artist and everyone is creative. Um, there was a study done by NASA, a famous study where they, um, they decided that um, creativity was a really important value for astronauts to have because okay. it's it's really important that you have that creative pulse and creative thinking yeah. you know when you're because you when you're in a position where you never know what's going to happen mm -hmm. you know in the frontiers and so they developed a test on creativity and they they used it and they liked the test so much that they decided to um, implement it on kids and so they tested uh, I don't know hundreds of kids you can look it up I can't remember the exact details was like hundreds of kids um, at five five, 10, and 15. Okay. And then as adults, the same kid, the same people. And at five, 97% tested as creative geniuses. 
And by 10... Five, 97%. And by 10, it was 30%. Oh, and by 15, it was like 15%. Right. And as adults, it was something like 3%, right? Okay. Um, so and, our, our education system, well... Okay, there's lots of things that could be responsible for that. But one theory would be that our education system was stifling creativity, right? Yeah. Killing it. Exactly. Yeah, that we start out that it's that creativity is something that we unlearn. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) And um, thinking about the Zach, I I always enter sort of my work and when I'm thinking of programs and thinking of gallery openings and events or whatever, I always think of of that, that we're all creative geniuses inside. We start out that way. And what can we do to sort of remove the barriers of people finding that part of themselves, you know, again? And, um, and I think that there's a lot of ways in which art, the arts feel sort of like they're because of our society's view, they feel like they're off limits or it's pretentious or it's, Oh, this is a place that's for this select group of people who consider themselves artists. Um, people with enough talent. Right. Maybe exactly. that's one thing. I yeah. mean, I, I find that limitation. <laughs> like I'm not good at much of anything. And right. So, yeah. It'd be very, it's very intimidating when I, even when I go in there with my kids, I mean, they just jump right in and start <laughs> right. doing the pottery and I'm like, Oh, I, I'm not touching that. Cause I'm not good at it. Right. Exactly. Because we, we, we decide we conceive of this idea of what is good and what Correct. isn't. Yeah. Um, and I think so what, but when I, my view of art from a therapeutic level is that it's, it's, uh, you know, that's where art starts to make the changes in your life and in societies when you realize the power mm. of your own creativity because then you apply that to everything else, yeah. you know, and that's why and it doesn't mean that you're not always applying your creativity to f- actually finishing a painting. You might be applying it to raising yourself out of poverty. You might be right. applying right. it to, <laughs> you know, to whatever you're doing, what you Some mean. important yeah, problem, exactly. yeah. exactly. So um, I like to think of the... I, I, so that's what I think is the importance of art in a community, that, that it's, first of all, it's only important if, if it's equitable and we all have access to it. And that importance is that we get to share, you know, we get to learn about ourselves and share a little bit more deeply with one another. Well, that piece about, yeah, that piece about sharing deeply and connecting deeply, I mean, that's, that, that's a big part of it because it seems to me that you can't, you can't really – I mean, the times where I am most creative or feel most creative are those times where I'm really in tune with myself or mm-hmm. in tune with others in a sense that I'm just really observant and learning of how – you know, observant of how other people are thinking and looking at the world and trying to see other perspectives. So, yeah, that piece of connecting with yourself and with others I think is is really important in that mission. Yeah, and, you know, we've – I've – I witness it firsthand in a lot of our programs. Like we have um, uh, our kids' rock programs, for example. So um, the those ki- camps are awesome. The girls' rock and uh-huh. the boys' rock camps I mean spectacular. Yeah, thanks. So that was one of the things I had always dreamt about doing prior to coming to the Zach. That when I got to the Zach, I realized, oh, I have this place now, and I can do that. Do this. So it's been. Um, just delightful for me to see it take off and to see how it really works. And now that same program, um, we have a, the hero sound project, which is a, a program for combat veterans that are, you know, doing the same thing basically. And the, the thing about it is when you sort of break it down, 
the kids come in on day one, they have a week. <clears throat> and the, I think the reason why the program is su successful, actually, in, in the way that I need it to be successful is because it's all about them. They write their own songs. Mm -hmm. It's theirs 100%, you know. And so they write songs about the things that they care about. Um, and then to form a band and learn instrumentation, um, they have to listen to each other. They have to work together. They have to compromise. They have to be vulnerable enough to share, yeah. you know, something about who they are, what their ideas sure. are. They have to sort of um, face all these challenges in a week before going to the top hat and playing in front of an audience. And I think it's just, it's a really great recipe for, for just that. It's really the relationships that are born out of it, um, how close the kids become. That's where the confidence building part comes from. You know, there's a huge part of the curric curriculum that just involves supporting each other. Right. Because, and, and recognizing and really recognizing that to be a great artist and to be a successful artist, you need support and breaking that down. What does that look like? You know, mm -hmm. what does that support look like? What right? we literally have the kids sometimes, okay, play your song with everybody just sitting on their phone. Now everybody get up and like cheer and dance and hop up and down. And how did that feel? Like, didn't look how much better you, you know? And so just kind of also teaching uh, about that community of support and how that really helps the arts and how I think if we all, if we all had that, and we all had that all the time, and that was nurtured um, in our society and in our schools and everything, I think that we would see a lot more artists, quote unquote, um, and a lot more people who could gain the therapeutic value from from really exploring those creative paths. Gosh, I mean, what you're saying resonates so deeply. I mean, we're at a time here, and I think we're on the upswing. We've had some tough morale times here at the University of Montana and in the community mm -hmm. more broadly, but the way out is to celebrate each other yes. and, and people doing awesome stuff. I mean, <laughs> you know, I went to a, um, I went to a holiday program at one of my colleagues' church and he was director of the bell choir. Uh-huh. You know, I don't go to church. I, I don't, right. I'm not, uh, you know, that's not my, my jam, but I wanted to see what he was doing mm -hmm. and to see him and other colleagues involved and other colleagues watching him and just, just seeing people in your sphere, yeah. putting themselves out there, being passionate about something. It's just tremendously, it just jazzes me up to see that. Yeah. I mean, I would almost ask like, what else is there? You know, what are we doing here yeah, exactly. on this planet? What else? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> what else is there besides you know, um, finding ways to deeply relate to one another and ourselves and sort of unlocking what is inside of us, yeah. you know. And it doesn't have to be, it doesn't, I, I don't mean to say that to sound really like, it doesn't, it doesn't have to be all ooh la la. It doesn't have to no, be, it, it's you. just, it's a, it's a very it. practical, yeah. in a very practical sense. Absolutely. You know? Absolutely. So, I mean, that kind of maybe begs this bigger question of, Arts in this particular community. I mean, now you're mm -hmm. you're the Zach is moving from quite literally the other side of the tracks uh, <laughs> <Yep. laughs> over into over into this downtown quarter that's just experiencing tremendous change. Yeah, you know, we've got the, you know, some new student housing going in, lots of new restaurants. Um, you know, the new mercantile situation with the hotel, and just tremendous development. New tech employers there. Mm -hmm. Tons of people walking around. I mean, it's it's a vibrant time downtown. Yet, 
those forces bring a lot of change. Mm-hmm. And how do you view the changes happening down, you know, in Missoula mm-hmm. and the community with the people um, mm-hmm. and the role of the arts and preserving the arts and, and continuing to, you know, sort of be the center of Missoula's sort of creative weirdness, if you will. I mean, there's a spirit here that, yeah. that is, I don't want to say under threat, but I think there, there needs to be some thoughtfulness about the future. Yeah, no, I absolutely agree. I think we're at a very crucial time where we have to um, really consider, you know, what we want to become in 10 years. Missoula's changing rapidly. And um, I'm from here, so I really... Right, you've seen it all. Yeah, I have. Um, And so I really, I think it's so, I'm I'm delighted about some of the things that are happening um, like getting the Zach downtown and the new library and places that will remain community spaces where everyone can walk in, you know, and and be a part of it. And it sort of belongs to the community. I worry that uh, in as much as five years, a nonprofit like us could never even dream of owning a downtown real estate again. I kind of feel like we got there just in the nick of Mm. time and really – you know, because it's just changed so dramatically right. in the last several years and just continues to. Um, and I, so I, I think it's, it's really important that we, that we all stop and consider, you know, what kind of uh, community we want to live in and what kind of spaces that we have and make sure that we continue to have, yeah, those spaces that make us unique and also that we all belong to. Um, there's, I, I worry about downtown being filled up by things that are not, um, that are just, you know, like offices, office buildings, you know, because the public doesn't go to office buildings, yeah. you know. Um, I, I, I think we need to, I was a kid that grew up here and, you know, hung out at Butterfly Herbs and drank coffee as a teenager and, you know, wandered around yep. downtown and explored and enjoyed this community. And I I certainly want it to stay that way. Another thing about the future and just about sort of, how I see the Zach um, playing a role too is um, as as we sort of grow. You know, I, I, the other thing that's happened to me being from here is that a lot of my brilliant, creative, smart friends have moved away. You know, because yeah. Missoula didn't provide um, what they needed to yeah, be able yeah. to survive. Kind of hit you know? a wall here. Yeah, and I think that when we I, there's a lot of there's a lot of issues that we're facing right now in terms of affordability and and I think we really need to consider our values and um, the the we talk a lot about the Missoula being this really vibrant arts community which it is because we have all these things going on but our artists you know being supported here by their work can they survive here or are we at risk of losing them mm-hmm. um, so that's another sort of little piece of the Zach is that we do provide affordable artist space and we provide a, a gallery that doesn't exist to sell art it exists to showcase art sure. because it's not a for-profit you know gallery and uh-huh. uh-huh. um, and, and and artist resources, and we want to bring in more sort of programs that will support local artists as well. And I think that um, it's really important that we that we we can't just say, "Yay, we're this thriving artist town," because we have a great first Friday that all the bars thrive because people yeah. are out looking at art and drinking. You know, right. like where are we? Um, you know, where are we making decisions where we can still see those values in ten years, or are we're we're not going to lose lose um, all of those rich things in our community because we're taking them for granted. You know, maybe this is 
too big a conversation to be contained in, in our last few minutes here, but this notion of how you value art and, and what, you know, so you mentioned First Friday, and that's an important mechanism. I mean, our artists display their work and that, that work can get sold, yeah, but there's these intermediaries, these galleries take a split or, you know, whatever. That's not necessarily the, I don't know if that's the best way to put value on art or if, you know, is, mm-hmm. is value even the wrong word? I mean, I guess... You know, I'm thinking of, like I said, my conversation with uh, with Steve Albini, and you know how to. You know, he, he he is he speaks a lot about the corruption in the in the music business uh-huh. and how the internet has sort of removed a lot of that, but it's still kind of problematic. And, mm-hmm. Yeah, you know. I think that there's um you know for all art forms, right? Um, whether music or writing or being a painter or whatever, there's there's a really um, there's a disparity between you're either the 2% that made it and you're filthy rich or whatever, or you're... <laughs> or all that money's made like years and years after you yeah, died. Right, or you're struggling, 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 and that's just something that we accept. We're just, you know, I mean, I could talk about it all day, but I mean, people still complain about paying, you know, a $5 cover charge to see five local bands that each have five people. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. just where, and, but yet they'll buy a $5 cup of coffee or, you know, a $5 fancy coffee drink and not even think about it, you mm-hmm. know? And is it because we're just not talking about it and it's not on our conscious minds like why aren't we putting um why aren't we putting these values but there's different i mean we also have in america um very little support in terms of grants or any type of funding i mean even as an arts organization we really scrape it together um and so i mean i think there's a lot of different ways that we as people and as a society could put the arts forward and I, i really do think that if we did we would see fairly dramatic increases actually in um, overall sort of cultural understanding and people's happiness. Yeah, happiness. I really most, do. Yeah, yeah. Which yeah. ultimately, as you said before, I mean, isn't that isn't that the most important metric? Right. Maybe. <laughs> yeah. Isn't that what we're all doing here? <laughs> uh, trying to. So, Kia, you know, the Zach plays such an important role in promoting the ideas that we've talked about in this in this conversation how can you know you mentioned you're in the middle of a campaign by the time this comes Mm -hmm. out hopefully knock on some wood here hopefully (laughs) you're going to be over the line but there's always going to be the need for people to get involved and support you know what you and your organization is doing how can they do that where can they learn more how can they get involved if they can't give money how can they give time effort yeah, absolutely. Um, well, uh, they can visit us at our website, uh, org. But obviously, you know, as a nonprofit, we will be an organization after this, um, even after this campaign, that will always be um, graciously accepting donations. We have, we do 8,700 hours of art education per year for Missoula youth, and 40% of our youth are on book scholarship who are paying nothing so again but we want to pay our art teachers well you know we want to pay the people who are doing this work well because that's what makes it sustainable um so there's a number of different ways and reasons why you know we will always need support you know until perhaps you know that's in the entire country changes its values in terms of the importance of the arts um but also volunteering your time um coming to events to art shows to 
um, performances to plays, not complaining about paying $5 to see five bands. <laughs> yeah. um, sort of just recognizing, you know, the value and what the arts bring and how they enrich your lives. And, you know, buy art. Buy, buy art. Put mm -hmm. it on your wall. I Believe me, it'll make you happier when you're at home looking at original artwork on your walls. So speaking of original artwork, one last question. With, with all the work that you do and are doing and busy life, like how do you make time for your own art? Yeah, it's not always easy. I'm, I'm a mom too, so yeah. I have a 12-year-old son and um, it's not always easy. Like I said, the Zach is kind of like my art project and my second child all at the same time, so it can be all of those things. <laughs> it's probably a lot of other things too. <laughs> Um, but I really, but I do, I do try, um, and especially right now, I'm again sort of facing some personal challenges in my life, and I find that taking the time to create or write a song or play some music or you know um, just taking a few moments here and there when I can um, vastly improves my ability to deal with the everyday world and sort of the things that can make the world hard. Yeah, that kind of right where we started mm -hmm. it, so. Kia, thank you so much for coming in and sharing the story of, of your you know your ideas about this stuff, but also the great work that the Zach is doing. I encourage everybody listening to get involved. If you're a parent in Missoula and haven't taken your kids there yet, it's such an awesome place for kids. But I guess as you're saying that, like as a, as an adult, I should go jump in and, and do some stuff too. Yeah, totally. Um, Kia, thank you. Awesome, thank you so much. Okay, thanks to Kia and to the Zach for all they do. That conversation was super fun. Coming up next week, we've got Kim Shapee, Jen Yule, and Nicole Hagerman-Miller. These three amazing women, along with their partner, Sarah Close, are the founders and producers of Athena Pack, an awesome gathering coming up later on this spring. Learn all about it next week. Thanks for listening to A New Angle. We really appreciate it. And remember that A New Angle was brought to you by CED, Consolidated Electrical Distributors. By now, you all know that they're big and they pretty much sell everything electrical you would ever need. But what you might not know is that they hire a ton of our students. If you want to learn more about job opportunities at CED, visit cedcareers.com. It's a great website name. Before we go, I want to thank some important peeps. Comzar, Elizabeth Willey, executive producer, Stefan Borsum, producer, Aidan Morton, and interns, Aspen Runkle, Max Gibson, and Ellie Hanasek. Huge thanks to VTO, Jeff Ament, and John Wicks for the tunes. And finally, props to Jeff Meese, our master of all things sound. Before we go, if you have any questions, suggestions, comments, insults, whatever, please email me at anewangle at umontana.edu. Help us spread the word and be sure to use the hashtag anewangle when you do. Thanks a lot. See you next time.